You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on 6abc.com. I am so honored and thrilled to be here. Uh, My guest today is a local woman that many of you may know. I'm joined by Sandra Clark. Sandra is the new CEO of StoryCorps, and we're going to be talking about the power of storytelling and what led Sandra to the current role she's in. So, Sandra, thank you and welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. So great to be here. It's wonderful to see you. Um, I wanted to start off with your background and give our audience and uh, viewers a sense of where you came from. And um, you shared with me that you were actually a military kid. And I think when that is the case, there's often a lot of moving around. Was that was that the case for you? It was uh, in, in my younger days. So up until about the fourth grade, my family did a lot of moving around. Um, every two years is usually the military uh, gig, at least for the army. My mother's from Japan uh, and my father uh, is from Louisiana. And so you know, we a lot of our tours back and forth were to Japan. So there were four of us kids, and I was the only stateside baby. I was born in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and everyone else was born in Japan. Wow. Tell, what is your connection to that side of your your heritage? Yeah. Well, you know, in the it's funny, you know, when I think back on my childhood, and much of it I have forgotten, or maybe I just forgot on purpose. But so much of my richest memories are from being in Japan. And, uh, you know, we were on a military base, but it was very close to, you know, we would just go down some steps and there we were in the Japanese marketplaces. So I think, you know, I, I, I remember less of my own experience than I think about what it must have been like for my mom, uh, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, married an American, uh, was raising her children uh, in Japan and, you know, kind of immersed in these two worlds 
of, you know, being an American military base, but at the same time being able to experience her own culture. And so my uncle was there. I have cousins there. Uh, everyone has passed. And so, you know, but my cousins are still there. So, you know, I, I would love to go back. It's on my bucket list of going back to Japan uh, and really experiencing it as an adult. Yeah. You know, um, initially you wanted to be a doctor. I did. Yeah, you did. And, you know, um, when did you give up that dream? You know, I'm not sure I actually really gave it up as much as, you know, at the time, I mean, I was a geeky kid. I was actually looking, reading, you know, back in the day when uh, our families would get these, meta, you know, these uh, encyclopedias and things like that. And, and, uh, and we actually had like a medical uh, manual. And so I was looking at like, you know, the human body and kind of thinking of being a doctor all throughout. And I think sometimes we just don't know the possibilities that we have. Uh, mm. And, you know, I, I was the first in our family to go to college. I mean, it was, you know, it was really, we didn't have all these options of going to the internet and doing all this research and things like that. Uh, you know, I knew somehow my parents raised us to know that we were all going to college and we were all going to have to figure out how we had to pay for it. I mean, he was on a modest, my dad was on a modest military income. Uh, so I think a lot of those kind of things just kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't so much I gave up the dream, but journalism kind of came to me. Mm. Um, you know, I was I went to a high school journalism workshop. And so those early kind of things that happen in our lives that we don't know are impacting us. And uh, my first assignment was interviewing the wife of a basketball player who uh, died you know, very suddenly from a brain aneurysm. I was 16 or 17 years old and I happened to win uh, an award for that article. And then I was recruited to Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Inquirer as an intern. Wow, that, that's young. How, how did that story impact you? Uh, you know, in a couple, of, a couple of different ways. I mean, you know, it impacted me and showed me what I could do. Um, it also, I think, was very... Um, you know, I was a shy kid. And uh, so talking to this person who's, you know, suddenly experienced it, you know, the death of her husband, uh, mm-hmm. I think the player was 22 years old at the time. And so it was, it, you know, interestingly, I became an editor and not a reporter. I mean, that was that was a difficult experience for me as a young journalist. Uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, it is kind of le- what led me to behind the scenes work because I wasn't sure I could do that every day. You know, you, you've mentioned being a shy kid a couple of times. T- mm-hmm. Has your career, which has been incredibly successful, you know, with the Philadelphia Inquirer, with WHYY, um, and now as the leader of StoryCorps, have, would you say that you've become more confident um, oh. throughout yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, there are times when, um, you know, we just have to draw on what we know. You know, people can tell us over and over again, right? You have all these skills, you, you, you've got talent and, and you're going places. And until we really know how to believe that in ourselves, mm-hmm. I think we can't quite, you know, turn the corner uh, on things. And, um, and I, I don't know, I, you know, I, I really built my career I think on just paying attention to people who are unseen and unheard within organizations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, most of our companies, organizations, we've got the stars and we have the people who kind of, you know, fill a lot of the space. And for me, um, 
I knew there were so many people who had so much to offer uh, and often were unseen and unheard. And that's really kind of how I built my uh, career just quietly, uh, paying attention to, to those who were doing the work uh, and who knew way more about companies than they were ever, ever able or given the opportunity to reveal. Um, and that's, that's what kind of gave me, I think, the confidence to just realize that, you know, maybe I had a bigger calling. Yeah, you, you, you shared with me, you always had this sense of, of service, mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm always curious if that was something innate in you as, as a little girl, or was it taught to you by your parents? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize, I think I was, you know, working on my resume one day and just kind of looking back on my career. And I'm not even sure I understood that, you know, my, my sort of sense of service uh, was so obvious to me until I kind of looked back and saw that thread through so much of, you know, what, what I had been doing. I think it really did start with my parents and my dad in particular, you know, he was a career military guy. Um, He, you know, went into the military when he was very, very young, um, you know, grew up in a very, you know, in, in poverty. And it was really the thing that changed his life and and made my life possible and all of our lives possible in our family. Um, but, you know, to think of the kind of service that he did in the military, you know, here's this African-American guy fighting for our country uh, when America didn't exactly love, you know, black folks back. Right. And and so I think of what it took to have that sense of service even with those, uh, you know, knowing that uh, through so much of his life, but it didn't change a single thing about him. I mean, he raised a flag in front of our house every day. He, uh, you know, really fought hard for our country. He became a mall walker after he retired. And after he died, so many people told us how he saved their marriages, because as he walked through the mall for hours a day, people would come out to him because they knew he was this amazing listener And so he was this person who, you know, people said he listened to us and he gave us great advice. And this is why our families are together now. So I think of that legacy uh, of listening and I bring it forward to today. uh, And I think that there's there's a definite thread there uh, through my life. Yeah. Sometimes I think the the desire to kind of help the people around us um, is more of a driver right? To to raise our hand and speak out than it is for ourselves. Yes. And you really seem to be that kind of person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the, you know, really measure of our success sometimes, you know, we get some, especially in the career world, right? We can get caught up in so many other measures for success, but ultimately I think it is, you know, uh, you know, who, who we've lit the path for somebody lit the path for me and, um, you know, how I've not just passed the torch, because I think we always keep the torch in our hands as we're trying to, you know, bring others along, too. But the real measure is, you know, how we reach back without being asked. Uh, and, and you know, that's kind of fundamental to, you know, sort of how I was raised, but also how I try to, you know, live my career as well. Yeah. You know, everything about your career has been storytelling. And I wonder if you can tell me, what do you think? is the key to telling a good story? What are the things that especially aspiring journalists should be thinking about? Yeah. Well, you know, a story is only good as the information that we gather. Um, And so really good storytelling starts with just great listening. 
it goes in, it starts with not going in with preconceived notions about what someone's story is, uh, mm-hmm. not making people have to make binary choices. I mean, do you feel this way about this or that way about that? I mean, underneath everything is, is a why. Uh, underneath everything is stories that people don't even know that they have this amazing story to tell. And so how we get that story is really is really the key. Um, you know, it's the how. And, and, it, and it really is about building trust with the people you're talking to. It's about sending a message to them that you will honor their story and do right by it. Um, that you will not, you know, frame it in a way that you feel is is a better story. I mean, most people have tremendous stories to tell. Uh, so it's really about it's really about gathering and 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 the trust building in that relationship as you're listening to that story. Um, listen, we're going to go into a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about the concept of StoryCorps. I think it's so brilliant. Um, you're watching Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco. We're going to go into a break. Stay with us for our watch team if you're listening on WPHT, and we'll be back with Sandra Clark. Now the Women to Watch. Finance Watch. Finance Watch. At Penn Community Bank, we're committed to giving small business owners the tools and resources to help them succeed financially. As women, we're no stranger to managing it all. A household, children, relationships, the list goes on and on. Owning a business and managing it among the responsibilities of personal life, it can get stressful. Whether your business is brand new or well-established, finances and money management may be one of the most overwhelming facets of running a business. To run a successful business, financial management is a responsibility that cannot be neglected. If you hire a finance expert to handle the money side of your business, it is just as important for you to understand these components of your business. We're here to tell you a few skills and responsibilities that you can take action on to master your business's financial health. It may seem like a lot, but we promise you these actions are steps towards eliminating stress. Get in the habit of regularly reading and understanding your key financial statements. This includes bank statements, invoices, income, payroll, and more. This will help you understand your business's performance and where to make adjustments if necessary. Even if you have an accountant, it's important to maintain your own bookkeeping. This is essentially an ongoing record of your business transactions. There's a number of online platforms that can be helpful in navigating this tedious but important task, so don't feel overwhelmed by having to do it all solo. Come tax season, you'll be thankful that you did. Just like your personal finances, your business needs a budget. Keep track of your cash flow, profits, and any debts to set your business up for success. Knowing how much money to spend, where to spend it, and when to spend it will improve the longevity and success of your business. As your business thrives, you may be looking to expand or finance on a big project. In order to do so, you need strong business credit. Demonstrate that your business is a good risk for lenders by paying debts on time, utilizing your business credit card, monitoring your business credit score, and keeping your business and your personal finances separate. Each of these actions will give you a snapshot of your business's financial health, allowing you to strategize, set goals, and identify opportunities. Improve your financial literacy, and you and your business will reap the benefits. Penn Community Bank, here we are, and here we grow. Women to Watch. Sports Watch. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Jen Welter, and you are listening to Sports Watch. It's about focusing on what's in your control. Can't always control the outcome, right? That's that's not in our control. You can't control the weather. You can't control the calls of the rest. You can't control a lot of things. But what you can control is the intention that you take into every situation. And that's true. 
if the why is right, the outcome is not fully under your control. But when you had a good reason, you can always go back to it and you can build on the things that may not have gone right, right? Like in your execution, you can get better about X, Y, and Z. But if you don't have a core, then when things go wrong, you always lose your way. And you don't have something to go back to and say, you know what, this is who we are. This is how we play. This is how we fight. And we're going to, you know, we're going to play go for it football, or we're going to go for a first down that we may not get. You have to know that there's a may not get it if you go for it. And yet when you have that core reason that you can go back to, there's always something to build from as you go forward. Follow me and all my adventures, or you can say misadventures, on Welter47 on Instagram or at jwelter47 on Twitter. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back to Women to Watch on I'm speaking with Sandra Clark, the CEO of StoryCorps. And I just uh, want to mention as well, we have a really wonderful show this week. Um, coming up after my interview with Sandra will be our Lifestyle Watch, Sherry Morrison, who will be joined by Janet and Lisa with the Metropolitan Ballet. And at the end of the show, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Shalja Dixit, the uh, founder and CEO of Curio. Um, we're going to be talking about mental health, um, which this month happens to be mental health wellness. Um, so, Sandra, I wanted to talk to you about the um, StoryCorps. And for the viewers who are not familiar with it, I think the concept is so brilliant. And I wonder if you can share a little bit about it and uh, the the mission behind it. Absolutely. Well, you know, StoryCorps uh, is a is is a place of hope to be. Let's, we'll start there. Um, you know, as you said, I've been uh, involved in storytelling my, my entire career, but StoryCorps is a unique thing. It started in 2003 uh, by, by uh, the founder, Dave Isay. He's, he's, he's a really fantastic guy. He is my partner at StoryCorps. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, his, his concept was simple. It's just if you got two people together uh, who, you know, if they had 40 minutes, 50 minutes left, right, uh, to, to talk about anything, who would you pick and what would you want to talk about, Right. Uh, and it really is about finding these stories that sometimes, I mean, we're living with someone, uh, whether it's our grandparent, um, our own parents, whomever. And, and you know, we, there's so much left unsaid. There's so much that we don't say to each other. And so in that really quiet, sacred space with facilitator there, um, you know, what would we want to talk about? And people come into the StoryCorps booth. Uh, telling us so many different kinds of stories. They're talking about, you know, the stories they want to pass down to their families. They're talking about education. Uh, They're talking about the wishes for their children. And, you know, when you have a chance to hear these stories and and what they do is they connect humanity, right? The, the, The hope is that we create empathy, the hope is that we create understanding and that we can connect to each other and, and ultimately create a better world. So when you hear a StoryCorps segment on um, Morning Edition every week on NPR across the country, uh, you know, almost everyone we hear, hear from, they said, get the tissues out. Be- yeah. And the reason is it makes us stop. It makes us really listen to someone else's story and someone else's experience 
And it brings this level of understanding that uh, I don't think that we would have unless everyday people, these are stories from everyday people, uh, everyday people were generous enough to share their stories and want it to be archived. Most of these stories are archived in the Library of Congress. So you can, you know, you can find them. Your, your relatives 50 years from now can find them. And to hear the voice of someone that you know uh, and to hear their experience in their own words is something uh, really special. And that, and that really is the concept of StoryCorps. It's something so basic about a connecting humans to humans. How is it that you get these folks to be so in the moment and relaxed and candid? Yeah. Well, we have an amazing group of facilitators uh, who are who are well trained in this, right? Well trained in listening, and uh, and people come to these booths. I mean, we have a StoryCorps, um, you know, tour mobile basically that mm-hmm. crosses the country. I mean, you know, to date we have captured more than a half million uh, stories from everyday people. These are not wow. famous people who are telling their stories to be on reality TV. These right. are people who have something to share. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we go to 10 cities uh, and we've done that since 2003. Uh, and people come with a story that they want to tell, you know, on this particular day uh, when we just, you know, had this, you know, horrible tragedy uh, of 19 school children killed uh, in Texas. Uh, the story core story that I think about on this day is a story between a mother and her 10 year old son. Uh, and they were talking about uh, rapid shooter drills. Um, Mm. And this is completely unrelated. This is a story that we captured in 2018 after uh, a school shooting. Uh, And the mother and the son is talking about, um, you know, how how they do their rapid uh, shooter drills in school. The mother is saying when she grew up, you know, the the we had tornado drills or we had fire drills, right? There was no such thing as a rapid shooter drill. And when she's hearing, you know, her son tell the story, what that experience is like, but also talking about how if something like that happened in his school, he would take a bullet for his classmates so that they could go home to their families. Um, And and the mother is begging him to not be so brave in that moment. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, that just that brings it all home. Right. Yeah. And so StoryCorps, you know, is is about everyday stories from everyday people. Uh, and and they tell us so much about of our about our history, not just our family histories, but the history of this country. Yeah. You know, I'll, I have to be honest with you. I was struggling this morning, waking up, you know, for, from what happened and thinking, how can I get in the right frame of mind mm-hmm. um, for the show? You know, mm-hmm. and um, I think you just, you know, the, the the word resilient we use all the time on this show, um, but when children are involved, it becomes really challenging. And you know we have to get to the why, and maybe there'll be more conversations about that. I hope that there will. Well, um, what it does, it brings us to the most basic human level. When you listen to this piece, uh, and it's really about a mother and her son talking to each other, um, and and you know that's that's the thing. It's not. You know, there's going to be plenty of news coverage uh, as well. There should be. Um, and there's going to be, you know, uh, you know, the stories of each of these families. But the sad thing is that, you know, this has happened before. You know, sadly, it's likely to happen again. But we hope that if you can get to the most human level of it, maybe we can come together and solve this problem. Yeah. One of the things you do that I love is is bringing two people from completely different 
walks of life. Um, and there's there's always these aha moments in that, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the bias that people have because of their life experience. And you have an older gentleman, perhaps one political spectrum and um, a young woman from a different country with with her own views. Those are the I think we should be doing that on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you were talking about our one small step project, uh, which we you know started a few years ago really to, to see if StoryCorps could be uh, a part of, you know, combating this toxic polarization that is really eroding so much in our country. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people sign up, Democrats and Democrats and Republicans sign up uh, and independents sign up and, and they want to talk to somebody from the other side, but not about politics. You know, again, this gets back to, you know, where do we connect on our most human level. They may get to a conversation about politics ultimately, but where they start off is just talking about their experiences as people. And, uh, you know, and we find something that they have in common. So, you know, they might have, you know, have grandkids or they might have just gotten divorced. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Or there might be there's just this one unifying thing that we we know is there, right? right. A common thing that we know is there. Yeah. But that is what opens up the opportunity for us to to listen to each other better. Yes. Um, tell me what you want to bring to the organization as a leader. In other words, when you know we talk a lot about culture, what do you want it to feel like there for your team and your colleagues? What 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 kinds of things are important to you in creating the right culture? Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, you know, really living uh, living what StoryCorps is, right? I mean, we are out there, you know, hearing other people's stories. We are out there really, uh, you know, creating sacred space uh, for each other. And, um, and I think internally, we also have to do that, right? We have to listen. We have to, you know, really celebrate um, our diverse cultures. Um, And we have to also understand, you know, the role that StoryCorps plays in um, in 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 just try to, you know, trying to lead us forward as 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 a country. And we have to start living those principles within our own uh, company. And and what does give me hope with more women in leadership is that I think that, um, you know, and particularly, I think if we can uh, extract ourselves from sort of models of, it, uh, of, of uh, or maybe bars, bars of success that men have, that haven't driven men so much, right? 
I mean, there, there's a certain look and then there's a certain way you are and there's a certain, you know, sort of blueprint for, you know, success for, for men. I think that when we can be really comfortable with what's in our DNA uh, as mm-hmm. women, uh, you know, and then as leaders, I think that's where we're going to be most successful when we're not following the footsteps of, you know, how men uh, dictated that. Yeah, I, I love that, Sandra, um, you know, and really embracing you know, ourselves as women. I think that's a great, great way to end the show. And I I really wish you great success as the CEO of StoryCorps and we'll be listening and following. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here, to spend time with you. And thank you for all you do uh, in, you know, advancing the work that uh, women are doing, um, both, both in the workplace and at home. And at home. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. We're going to go into a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our Lifestyle Watch contributor, Sherry Morrison, and she's going to be with two women from the Metropolitan Ballet. We'll be right back. Now, the Women to Watch, Military Watch. Hi, I'm Sean Casey, Senior Director of Communications for Military Affairs at Comcast NBC Universal. While Memorial Day weekend has become a festive time of year as the unofficial kickoff of summer, its true meaning is a solemn one. Tomorrow, our country will observe Memorial Day to honor the service members who courageously gave their lives in defense of our nation. There are many ways that we can recognize the day's significance. I encourage you to take a moment tomorrow to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice to protect the freedoms we all enjoy. Here are also some other ways to observe the holiday. The National Moment of Remembrance is an annual event for all Americans, wherever they are, at 3 o'clock p.m. local time, to take a one-minute moment of silence. As the event's founder, Carmela Laspada, states, it's a way we can all put the memorial back in Memorial Day. You can also virtually visit Arlington National Cemetery, which is the country's largest military cemetery that serves as the final resting place for more than 400,000 veterans. Visit the cemetery's website, arlingtontours.com, to access the free digital tour. Also, consider supporting Wreaths Across America and its wreath-laying ceremonies at Arlington National Cemetery and over 2,000 additional locations in the U.S., at sea, and abroad each December. Visit wreathsacrossamerica.org to learn more. Welcome back to Women Who Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and we're now going to be joined by our Lifestyle Watch contributor, Sherry Morrison. I'm so excited for this segment. We're going to be speaking to Janet and Lisa from the Metropolitan Ballet. I'll let you ladies take it away. Thanks, Sue. I'm on location today in Jenkintown at the Metro- at the Metropolitan Ballet. Um, I'm being joined by the founder and director of the Met, Lisa Collins-Vidnovic and also by the founding board member and uh, creator of M3, which is Math, Music, and Movement, Janet Blenheim. Welcome to the show, ladies, and thanks for coming in today. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Sherry. Sure. So this is really an amazing program that you've put together. Um, and even more incredible is the fact that you're celebrating 25 years. That's a happy anniversary. That's quite an accomplishment. So let's get right into uh, how this all came about, your background, your passions, what you've done, and how you've ended up here. Uh, Lisa, can you tell us a little bit about the beginning of all of this? 
Thank you. Sure. Um, I danced professionally for 14 years, first in Chicago under Maria Tallchief, and then for a little over 10 years with Pennsylvania Ballet, which is now Philadelphia Ballet. I taught all the way through my professional career, uh, but when I retired to start a family, I, I wanted to explore an interest in folkloric dance, and I uh, joined the Velashka Ukrainian Dance Ensemble. And through that connection, um, they invited me to have a ballet school here in the Ukrainian Cultural Center in Jenkintown. And here we are 25 years later. That's fantastic. And how about you, Janet? I was a professionally trained ballet dancer performing and teaching regionally. And then I received my certification to teach elementary school. I realized children can't sit, sit still and neither could their teachers. So I sought every opportunity to teach concepts through dance. And I discovered that students who were both cognitively and kinesthetically engaged develop and retain a deeper understanding. Wow, that's really interesting. So Lisa, can you tell us a little bit more about the programs that you offer here at the Met? Sure. So I wanted to, of course, we have the highest quality of classical training, but I really wanted to reimagine how a ballet school might better serve and interact with its community. And the first thing I wanted was a stage full of boys and girls, and I wanted it to be very accessible. And that meant scholarship programs. So our first program was a scholarship program. It's our boys scholarship program now in its 23rd year. We serve over 50 young uh, male dancers a year with tuition free uh, training. And then as the dancers became more proficient, we obviously needed more performing opportunities. So the pre-professional performing company was the next thing that came into play. And finally, I wanted to uh, have a partnership with the School District of Philadelphia. I wanted to do something that would be more related, relatable to, and helpful to the teachers. So we started a kinetic literacy program um, in 2008. And that's where I invited Janet to come in. Very cool. Well, I know Janet created this uh, incredible program called M3, Math, Music, and Movement. Janet, how the heck do you teach people or kids how anything about math using music and movement? Yes, the common denominator of math, music, and movement is patterns. Three distinct disciplines all grounded in patterns. And one of my first lessons that I introduced to the second graders at Pennells is a skip counting pattern of threes. And we use a piano, piano, forte voice pattern and rhythm sticks and we count one, two, three, four, five, six, nine. And while we're doing that on a huge hundreds chart, we color in that third note we accented and voila, you have all the multiples of three and also an incredible um, visual pattern um, on diagonals. And then, of course, we dance the pattern using ballet terms and just a joyous way to learn the multiplication tables, really supporting the Chinese proverb, I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand. A great connection, making that having kids make that connection with something that they're doing naturally and artistically. That's really unique uh, thinking. Um, so moving on and forward, Lisa, to another 25 years, I hope. What do what do you envision? I really invite as many families and children to come and experience what we're doing out here at Met. We have a wonderful performing season every year with a family concert. Um, come and audition for our boys program. 
come and take lessons in the summer. And I just hope we can be a great cultural resource for the next 25 years. Well, that's great. If, if, that's awesome. So if anybody is interested in learning more about your program, I, I hope that you will check them out on their website, which is across the bottom of the screen. And um, I hope that you'll look forward to joining me next week. I'm going to do a unique wine pairing, um, a mother-daughter team out in um, Galen Glen Vineyard and Winery. And um, I think that it's just going to be a really interesting interview, and I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, ladies. Back to you, Sue. Thanks, Sherry and Janet and Lisa. I, I love what you're doing, exercising the brain and the body, right? Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. We're going to go into a break, and when I come back, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Shalja Dixit. She is the founder and CEO of Curio. We'll be right back. Now, the women to watch. Marketing Watch. How to get buy-in and launch your creative ideas. Hi there, my name is Diana Barnes, or DB as most people call me, and I'm the Chief Brand Officer and Creative Director at Munchkin, the world's most loved baby lifestyle brand. Today, I want to talk to you about how to get your leadership team to buy into your creative ideas. Brand building is essential to creating a business that stands the test of time. It's also one of the hardest aspects of business to measure and quantify. So how do you convince your leadership team to greenlight a project or a campaign that doesn't directly drive sales? Here are my three tips. First, think like your CEO. Imagine you're the CEO of your company. Ask yourself how your project supports the business. Your answer does not need to be tied to sales to be important. Does your request help position the company as a leader in its industry? Maybe it improves customer experience or boosts brand loyalty. Each of these contributes to the success of a business. Number two, timing is everything. Does your project require $50,000 that isn't in your budget? Part of creating a successful pitch is developing a successful plan and that includes budgeting. If your idea is costly, find out when your company begins budget planning and arrange to make your pitch during the beginning of the process. And last, be flexible. My experience dealing with nuns and rock stars well prepared me for working with CEOs. My best advice is to know your facts, especially the math. Have the answers and expect the unexpected. Think about what in your plan can change to meet the requests of your leadership team without sacrificing your goal. Be flexible and be willing to work with your boss to give them skin in the game and a stake in your idea. I use these three tactics to get buy-in from my colleagues on Munchkin's executive team and our board of directors to launch Stroller Coaster, a parenting podcast. We've become trailblazers within our category, and the show was ranked among the top 2% of shows within Apple Podcast Kids and Parenting category in our debut season. You can listen to it at strollercoaster.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. See you next time. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm so very honored to welcome to the show Dr. Shalja Dixit. Uh, Shalja is going to be one of our brand new partners for the show, and she's going to be leading a wellness watch. Shalja, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sue. Really appreciate it, and thanks for inviting us. We're happy to have you. And why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background? 
Sure. So, and again, you know, as as, as you said, we are really looking for, uh, forward to partner with you as we do this series of Health Watch and try to, uh, you know, uh, bring awareness around women's mental health. We'll talk more about it. About my background, I'm a physician by training. Uh, I did my initial training in India and then came to U.S. many years back. So. Princeton is home now for me. Uh, and I started this company about three years back, looking at the unmet need uh, that is there for women's mental health. So I have been involved in many product launches. I worked most of my career in pharma industry and have been involved in many mental health product launches. One thing which was very clear was that the unmet need that exists for women's mental health and also going beyond just a pill. So we talk about a pill, but pill does not cover all aspects of a person's uh, journey, if I may say. And that's where Curio came in, uh, you know, which is a digital platform, uh, you know, to take care of women's mental health all across her life cycle. Right. So through the various stages of life, which my goodness, you know, women... <laughs> You, you know, you just get used to one phase and then you're going into another phase. And um, tell us exactly what Curio is as a digital therapeutic platform. Yeah, so I, I'll start with what actually you just said, right? So it is true, uh, you know, women go through different stages in their life cycle, but every stage of life cycle for women is different. So let's talk about from adolescent to when you are thinking about family or fertility, you know, when you are thinking having a baby, you know, perinatal and postnatal uh, program, and then perimenopause and menopause and ultimately aging. So all through this life cycle of women, there is a direct connection between the physiology in women. What I mean by that is hormones and what they are going through, you know, the, the physical aspect. Uh, and on top of that, we all know that women are predisposed to mental health conditions much more than men because of the stigma, societal aspect, and other stress that women go through. So that's what Curio does. Curio is a digital platform that in each stage of women's life provides the right kind of tools and aids which can augment and help her take care of her mental and emotional health. One important aspect is these are self-learning tools. So it takes care of the stigma, and we meet women where she is. What I mean by that is that this is a digital application. She can actually download it or go on the website on her phone and spend 10 minutes every day to go through some modules that take care of, that tell her how to adjust and take care of her emotional and behavioral aspect in each stage of her life cycle. So they're unique to the stages of women's life cycle. Mm -hmm. So if I were to ask you, what, what makes a woman's mental health different from a man's mental health? It probably would be the hormonal piece, but what else is the difference? That's a really good question because we are often asked, why even think about mental health is a problem, right? You know, we as a nation, uh, uh, you know, are in a mental health pandemic, if I may say. And one thing that unfortunately this COVID did was, you know, exacerbate that problem even more. That problem even become became bigger during this last two years of pandemic. We are often asked, as you are asking, what's different about women's mental health? You know, mental health is a mental health. But the thing is that with women, 
the physiological aspect, hormones, the societal stigma, and other things do have a different impact on women's mental health. So let's talk about some numbers. Even the prevalence of mental health condition are twice more in women. Women are twice or thrice more likely to get mental health condition than men. So the predisposition is more, prevalence is more, the societal aspect is different, women interact with the digital tools in a very different way. And most importantly, the physiological aspect is very different. So I, I want to just break it down a little bit more to give an example. So for example, the estrogen, you know, plays a very important role. One of the har female hormone plays an important role, but there is a direct mind-body connection. So when in perimenopause or menopause phase, the estrogen fluctuates and that has an impact on emotional aspect as well. There's a lot of science today that uh, validates that or talks about that. So that's what we are talking about. That's why women's mental health is different. Shelja, can you talk about um, where is the gap when it comes to postpartum depression? Because I know one of your very, you know, you're going to be focusing on that first and foremost. Yeah. So our first product is for uh, prenatal and postpartum, right? So postpartum, again, the numbers are just, the problem is bigger than what we think. One in five women suffer from postpartum depression. And when you talk about all the way a spectrum, meaning anxiety, depression, uh, you know, during, during the pregnancy and right after deli uh, delivery, the numbers are actually as high as 40% of the women have some kind of postpartum blues. That's what we are talking about. That's our first product. The name of our product is Mama Lift. Uh, so you can go into mymamalift.com. It's a digital product that helps a woman uh, manage her anxiety and depression during pregnancy and after pregnancy. And again, as I said, the numbers are very high. Another thing I want to just uh, outline here is, uh, so 75% of these women, unfortunately, don't get any kind of care, right? So it's a huge unmet need that exists. Uh, and that's what our tool is doing. Our first tool, which is meant for postpartum depression, is focusing on that. So I, one of my questions for you was, what is available today and what's coming? What's coming around the corner? I know this will be developments ongoing probably you know, for years, but if someone comes and uses the app today, what, what will they find and, and what's in the works? So we are looking uh, stages by stages, phases of women's life. The first one where we believe is the highest impact and highest unmet need is pregnancy and postpartum, right? Because it just does not impact a woman. It impacts the family, the infant, the child, and so on. So that's the first one. After this, we are looking at fertility. Again, the women who are going through fertility journey, they have a huge emotional and stress aspect. Uh, you know, that's our next application. And then we are looking at perimenopause and menopause because that's, again, a very big transition stage for women from a physiological aspect as well as, uh, you know, emotional aspect. So those are products that we have lined up uh, for every phase of women's life. And then we have others that we will be launching uh, towards next year. And hopefully covering this circle of life, what we call for women, all the way from adolescent to healthy aging. Yeah. You know, we're going to be so fortunate to have you ongoing, bringing this really important information. What do you hope to bring to this segment as our Wellness Watch contributor? What is it other than the physiological uh, facts? 
What is it that you hope to bring to women? So I think the, there are two two things besides the physiological aspect. One, I'm hoping by having this conversation, we are destigmatizing the mental health. Right? We need to start yes. acknowledging, talking about it, like this is normal. You know, this is happens. It's okay to be not okay. It's okay to not feel okay. So that's the first thing. I'm hoping this conversation. And then the second thing is, I would like to bring in more experts in this area. You know, hopefully even some stories. You know, to talk about that what exactly women went through. So I'm ho- really hoping that we are able to spread the awareness and take care of stigma and normalize this dialogue around mental health uh, for women. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And, you know, in light of what is going to be a very tough week, you know, um, with regard to mental health, um, I, I think there's so many things we can be doing and should be doing across the board. Um, but you're, you're right about the eliminating the stigma. And I, I do think we're talking more openly about the fact that wellness to the body is as important as wellness to our mind. Absolutely. It all starts with mind-body connection, right? So let's take care of our mental and emotional state. There are tools out there. Let's leverage them, uh, you know, and uh, I think that will have an impact just not on women, but society at large. Uh, I just want to leave with one thought as we talk about health equity and women taking a leadership position, and your segment is just so important for that. I think this particular aspect, mental and emotional has to be taken care of if we want women to take on, uh, you know, a leadership positions and move on and have be a very important contributor and be recognized as an important contributor to the society. So that's I just want to leave that thought. That, well, I agree. I agree. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to all of your segments, Shalja. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Sue. Thanks so much for inviting us. And that is it for another week of Women to Watch. Um, I'm Sue Rocco, and so grateful to 6abc.com uh, for bringing you the show. And next week, I'm going to be joined by Deborah Brooks. Deborah is the CEO of the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and thanks for being with me. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.